We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank, member FDIC. With Emprise, you can check your balance as fast as you check the scores. They'll even give you an instant replay so you can review the ruling on the field. Emprise Bank, member FDIC. Again, so appreciative of them and what they've done for KC Sports Network. Uh, and it's been really great to partner with them, get the word out about a great institution. And I'm here with two great institutions here, my dear pals. First spot I'm on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. What's good? Well, not that transition, but we're going to keep going. So I'm doing good. I'm having I'm having a fantastic time. You know, we got we got Chiefs training camp less than a week away. A week from now, I will be back in Kansas City preparing to head on down to St. Joe for training camp. So that's going to be a lot of fun, seeing a lot of, you know, my friends, my family members. Unfortunately, I'll be missing Craig's beautiful, beautiful beard. But I get to see it right now on this podcast as he sits here on this tiny little screen. Craig, how are you doing today, bud? I, I was doing a lot better before I got called an institution. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like that. Like I, the the whole uh, you know old jokes and all of that I can take, but an institution yeah, that <laughs> makes me just feel kind of gross inside. So no, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I, I'm so ready your to new nickname about. is the big uh, institution. <laughs> yeah, no, that's got to stick. We've had the yeah. Renaissance band, but Maddie, if you don't sprinkle in the big institution every now and then, you are making a grave mistake. When you meet Craig, you definitely get some Randy Johnson vibes. So it's only <laughs> fair to go from the big unit to the big institution when you meet Craig. This is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Uh, well, we're going to try to rein things in here a little bit. We are finishing our positional previews. Training camp's next week, guys. We're almost there. We got two more positions to cover, running back and safety. And we'll start with the running backs because uh, running backs matter on this show. And so does Clyde Edwards-Alaire, a guy I think, Maddie, we're all really hopeful is able to take a step, especially in the passing game. And that's been our hope. I think the whole point behind drafting Clyde Edwards-Alaire, at least from our perspective last year, was that you were going to get this top-end receiving running back. You were going to get this guy that Andy Reid could use as a weapon like Brian Westbrook, like you know he was able to use for different guys in the past for the Philadelphia Eagles. 
and you didn't get a lot of that in his first season. And part of that was going to be because of the COVID shortened off season. Part of that was going to be game script, trying to get a rookie involved, being essentially your only running back because Damian Williams didn't end up, he ended up opting out last year. So Clyde was thrown in there right away, had to do a lot. I just think that we're hoping to see a lot more out of him as a receiver as this season goes along because they really didn't utilize him a ton. They targeted him a lot just not in particular ways that you wanted to see him use. You didn't want to see a running back with his skill set catching checkdowns or little routes in the flat as often as you did. You wanted to see real routes coming out of him. And I know Craig kind of looked at this a little bit earlier this offseason, so I'll let him take away the rest of this receiving talk here. Yeah, it was kind of late into the flat, and it, it was just a little too predictable. And it was putting him in positions where he had cornerbacks, safeties, linebackers that were able to kind of tee off on him a little bit in the flat. That's that's not how you want any running back. It doesn't matter how good of a receiver they are or how good they are at making guys miss an open field, which Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is good at both of those things. It was just a little too predictable. We liked the volume. He got a lot of targets. He was, you know, almost probably would have been third on the team in targets if he would have played that entire season. So the, the amount of targets was fine. We just needed to see a little more creativity. It was sprinkled in there a little bit. I think we saw a little bit of it in certain games, especially the Baltimore Ravens game. I, th I thought he was phenomenal and ran a full route tree in that game, but we didn't really see it as the season went along. And then he got hurt before the playoffs. I think maybe we would have seen them open up the playbook a little bit more. You know, Andy Reid likes to guard things a little bit. We've seen him take running backs specifically and try and use them as kind of like a surprise in the passing game and catch some good teams off guard. I think maybe we might've seen that out of Clyde edwards Hilaire, but we didn't get to see it last year for one reason or another. I'm really looking forward to him with a full off season, be able to come in here and be able to run the offense and get that targets because they need a man beater on this team, Kent. They do. And actually, that's what I was going to talk about is I think one of the things that really hampered some of the lucrative opportunities for Clyde Edwards-Alaire to make some big plays in the passing game was maybe a lack of man coverage. Because I think a lot of teams playing off and soft, playing some of that zone coverage, it makes it a little bit more challenging to spring a, you know, get a, get a running back lost and get him, you know, stuck in traffic and, and, and out the back door of traffic and stuff like that. That's something that they've had a lot of success with. I don't think it's a coincidence that one of the games that you saw some man coverage, you know, with Baltimore uh, is one of the games that he had a lot of success. Miami, another mm -hmm. game you saw mm -hmm. both of those games. Those were more man heavy teams that, you know, they were able to get Clyde Edwards Alaire some more opportunities. I think, I don't think there's any coincidence at all there in that. And so, you know, he's going to have to adapt because I don't think you're going to see a ton of teams willing to, well, maybe you will, maybe you will because of the, because of the, secondary pass catchers forcing guys like Byron Pringle and McCole Hardman and Clyde Edwards related to prove it. Maybe mm -hmm. that's, maybe that's a path to success for Clyde where Edwards will to get more opportunities because teams are a little bit more willing to play, play a little bit more man because of some of the weapons around the superstar pieces in Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kilmaddy. And that's what you're hoping for. I mean, if you're a Chiefs fan, you're hoping because obviously there's not going to be just this savior of a wide receiver two or a secondary pass catcher that's coming onto this team right now. You are going to be hoping that Clyde Odilaire is able to take that next step and become essentially your third receiver, maybe your fourth receiver if McCole Hardman starts to show, you know, a massive improvement this year. So you're hoping you get good matchups for him. 
you're hoping that they teams are trying to send the linebackers. They, they feel comfortable with their linebackers trying to cover Clyde out because they go back and they see last year, oh, only 5.5 yards per target. That's not very good for a running back. We can just put a linebacker on them. And then all of a sudden, as a fan, you're hoping you get the LSU Clyde Odenzilaire. He's coming out. He's breaking off angle routes. He's throwing wheel routes up the sideline. He all of a sudden is being utilized as the route runner that he was in college. So that's our hope. But I think equally as important, like, this is the very obvious jump that Clyde needs to make to go ahead and get to the next level. Like that's what we want to see from him. But he's also going to be a little bit better or more consistent as a runner. And oh, I know yeah. a big issue there was the offensive line, but he was still a good running back, a good runner in college. Last year, you know, for the Chiefs, the blocking wasn't great, but we only got glimpses of him of his ability as a runner a couple times throughout the season. So I'm hoping we see a big step there as well. Yeah, I think that's the one that I think is going to be the biggest full-on step for Clyde Edwards. Hilaire is going to be in the run game. We we saw at LSU an ability to be agile, hit the hole, really read with good vision between the tackles. And so I think we all kind of naturally said, okay, he's going to a zone-heavy scheme. They're going to run a lot of inside zone. This is going to work for Clyde. And the blocking wasn't there. And it kind of seemed like the confidence really was lacking a little bit. So I just, we didn't see the kind of player that we saw at the collegiate level in those sorts of traits that were kind of his specialty and his expertise in the collegiate ranks. So I'm anxious to see what he'll look like with this better offensive line block and form in a gap scheme where he's going to be able to target a specific gap, play to that hole and make a linebacker or a safety coming downhill miss at the second level, being able to set those guys up ahead of time. He's very good at that. He's, he's good with, you know, directing his shoulders, head fakes, you know, his footwork in the backfield is very good at getting linebackers and that it's safeties and slot corners and those sort of box defenders to bite and go the wrong direction. He's going to be able to do that, sell that, hit the hole that is designed in these gap schemes and be able to blow some of these open. So I think we're going to see a big jump for Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the rushing attack. Obviously, the passing game is where he's going to do the most of his yardage and probably touchdown damage. But I think the running game for Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be where the major strides we're going to see on the field for him immediately. One thing I'm curious about is, you know, his usage on third down, how much, how many opportunities on third mm -hmm. down he gets. Uh, and I think there's, there's something to be said even in the running game too, about, you know, building trust, you know, building trust in his coaching staff that you're going to execute and a guy that earned those opportunities, but maybe doesn't necessarily have the same talent level, uh, but got opportunities on third down and was trusted in some big situations in the playoffs uh, too, was Daryl Williams. Uh, his former teammate at LSU, those two are really tight. But Daryl Williams, another guy that's very firmly in the mix and seems pretty firmly as the RB2 right now, Maddie. I think he should be. I mean, he's done enough to prove that he's not a starting caliber running back going on in the NFL right now. It's just not his game. But if you want to use him as your off-speed pitch as the running back, he's a big-bodied guy. I don't know if he runs with a ton of power, but he has a big body. He falls forward really well. He handles contact by glancing off of it so he can fall forward. He can do just about anything. You go back and you look at the stats, Clyde got a lot of heat from a lot of different places for averaging you know, only like four and a half yards per carry five and a half yards per target. Daryl Williams was worse across the board. Like his average per touch, you know, whatever yardage it was going to be was lower than Clyde Odenzilaire. So he was not as good of a player. He wasn't as productive as of a player last year. So I know there's 
out there clamoring that he should start because they remember his best reps, which are really good. But he's very clearly a running back two to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. His role is always a third, at least has been as a third down running back. We'll see if that continues because he's a reliable pass catcher. It's a really good pass protector. And I do think this change in blocking scheme might help his running style a good bit. Yeah, and Maddie nailed the the pass protector part. Darrell Williams is a very good pass protector, and he's on the same page as everybody else. He knows where Andy wants him to be, and he knows where Patrick Mahomes wants him to be. That's invaluable. That's why you saw him get those third down reps by and large. It's not because he's a particularly dynamic running back. He's not a guy that's going to go out there and be able to blaze by a whole bunch of guys. We've seen him have some outstanding catches. He's got really good hands for a back of that size. I think he had a one-handed catch last year kind of over his shoulder. Just some good stuff out of him, but not that top tier. That's not the guy that you're going to have out there that you're relying on blowing things open and being that mismatch nightmare. He's just going to give you consistency, and that's what he's done his entire career. Even at LSU, this is what you got. He was kind of a backup-level running back to a lot of very, very good running backs. It's not trying to slight Daryl Williams there. He's been behind a lot of very good running backs. I think he's behind a good running back here in Clyde Edwards-Alaire again. This is the kind of guy that you want, the consistency that you want at that RB2 position. But let's move on to a guy that the Chiefs brought in this year a kind of a home run hitter hmm. that came to Kansas City much like we want our good pals at Macadoodles to come to Kansas City can't hit the sign <laughs> Jerry McKinnon it's McAdoodle's time. Jarek McKinnon is a guy that the Chiefs added this offseason. He is a true explosive threat when healthy. And we've seen him be the kind of guy that can catch a pass out of the backfield, take it the distance, make guys miss, make guys take poor angles on like outside zone runs, things like that, where guys are trying to come downhill and cut him off. He has the explosive ability to get out into space and make guys miss. And he's also got really good hands again when healthy. He is a triple threat. He can run the ball well. He can catch the ball well. And he is a veteran presence in a locker room that needs a veteran presence. McAdoodles, too, is a triple threat with their selection, customer service, and pricing. We need them in Kansas City, just like the Chiefs went out and got Jarek McKinnon this year. This is a great move for the Kansas City Chiefs, a buy-low move. If you're a franchisee, come in, buy McAdoodles. They're not, not asking you to buy low. You pay McAdoodles what they want because they're well worth every single penny. Get a hold of Roger, info at McAdoodles.com. Let's get one to Kansas City or wherever you're from. Get one in the area. You'll be happy. Craig, what's the McAdoodles home run pick of this weekend? Oh, the McAdoodles home run pick of this weekend. Let's go with toppling Goliath Pseudo Sue. Uh, they only come in the pint cans. A really terrific beer and IPA out of Decorah, Iowa. One of, one of my favorite, you know, kind of local-ish beers. Go out and get you today. Oh, I like it. And I like Jarek McKinnon. But there's also a guy that's going to be competing for an opportunity with him that's been here on the roster for the last couple of years. That's Darwin Thompson. Uh, he's been a staple the last couple seasons, and he's one worth watching here. 
I, and I have a, I, I want to throw some stuff out here to you guys real quick. I'm going to theorize things a little bit, just talking about Darwin Thompson's situation to make this roster. Cause I do think it could ultimately go down between Darwin Thompson and Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon has some pass protection traits. He has some route running traits. He has some ability as a receiver. There are some very viable receiving threats and receiving abilities there. Now, if Clyde Edwards Alaire is getting a few more third down opportunities, if Daryl Williams is still getting some of those third down opportunities, does Dave Tobe get a guy with more broad appeal as a special teams player like Darwin Thompson, or does he get a, or does he have to live with a Jarek McKinnon? This is the question I keep asking myself when I'm going back and forth between these two players: is is Dave Tobe's influence on the roster? Is there, you know, or in the redundancy potentially of Clyde Edwards Alaire and and Darwin Tom, or uh, Daryl Williams, does that affect a guy like Jarek McKinnon's path to making this roster, Maddie? It could. I mean, there very well could be a Dave Tobe intervention at any position along this roster. <laughs> and he can come in and say, I want this guy. However, I look at the skill set across the board. I don't see where Darwin Thompson makes his team. I don't see where you put him on the field over the other running backs we've already talked about. Excluding McKinnon, Darwin Thompson's not better as a runner than Daryl Williams or Claudio Dezilaire is going to be in any situation, in any type of run. He's not better in space than Clyde Odenzi-Lair is going to be. He's not better in pass protection than either one of them, but especially Daryl Williams. There's not really a role for Darwin Thompson offensively. He would 100% depth in a special teams player. Jarek McKinnon, on the other hand, he brings something that the rest of this running back room doesn't have. He is a home run threat. He's a guy that has speed. And while he is coming off some major injuries, you know, the last oh, two out of the last three years, I do think last year he still flashed more speed than any other running back on this roster has. So I can see where he fits in. I would have a really hard time seeing Darwin make this team over McKinnon. And I don't know if McKinnon's only playing as a return man on special teams, but he has played quite a few special team snaps over the years. His only year playing full-time special teams was way back in like 2015. So he might just be a return man since then, but it's not as if Darwin Thompson was one of the chiefs ace in the holes on the special teams unit either. Yeah. I, and, by the way, uh, the Dave Tobe intervention is my Foo Fighters cover band name. Nobody, can have <laughs> Nobody else. I uh, I worry a little bit uh, because Maddie, full agreement with you. I like I'm not I I like Jarek McKinnon the 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 offensive football player much better than I like Darwin Thompson. The only the only I just I am always worried about that third running back spot. That third running back spot has very often been a special teams guy. I mean, Daryl Williams has been the pseudo RB three in a lot of these years. Uh, and I, actually, maybe every year, uh, depending on how you look at a guy like Le'Veon Bell. So the Chiefs have always prioritized special teams and Daryl Williams opportunities really have come on special teams. I think he's been a more versatile special teams player, even though I like Jarek McKinnon infinitely more. <laughs> And I want to see Jarek McKinnon on the field uh, or on the, on this team. Two things he's got going against him: injury history, durability issues, and you just you got to figure out if he's actually going to be a a viable special teams asset. Those are the two things that are keeping him from making this football team. Unfortunately, I think they're very much in play, and that's what makes me nervous because we always know this is this happens every year. Dave Tobe gets influence in places on this roster that everyone else would prefer they add 
some more <laughs> offensive or defensive talent. I will say this. Jarek McKinnon did play 16 games last year. Now, he missed the previous two years. He missed 2019 and he missed 2018 due to injury, but he did play in all 16 games last year for the San Francisco 49ers. And, I mean, he, he wasn't wasn't an elite player or anything like that, but still coming back from injury. I do think, I, and I know this sounds weird considering that the Chiefs did release him earlier this season, I do think that Andy Reid wants that guy that can take the ball, you know, and, and take it the distance like Damian Williams was for this offense. I do think that they want a candidate that they can buy low on, you know, and really take advantage of the fact that Jarek McKinnon is that type of player, pay him much less than Damian Williams was about to get paid and maybe be able to still have the same sort of role for him, get him in there, hope that he can break one or two off and really take advantage of that. Because we know that Damian Williams, that's, that's really what he brought to this team was an explosive ability. You know, we saw the 90 yard touchdown runs. Like that's, that's what he brought to this team. I think that they were, they're just kind of lacking that in this running back room. So I think he makes sense to be that running back three. And you look at the rest of this roster, like Andy Reid wants speed everywhere. So like, I very much think that that gives, that is as much of a, something to stand on as Darwin Thompson's special teams ability. Cause he did play a lot of special teams reps last year, mm-hmm. but I think that gives you just as much to stand on as if there's no other speed in this running back room. Well, the chiefs bought low on Jarek McKinnon. It remains to be seen if he's got, he's going to be on the roster, but you guys know who the chiefs didn't buy low on and won't be able to buy low on Tyron Matthew. The last position that we have to talk about in our season preview is the safety group. And frankly, we've been holding off on this one partially because we were waiting for a Tyron Matthew extension. Yeah. I mean, like this is just, I mean, we this, this is something we've been, you know, hoping to get, have something to talk about with the safety group, but it, it has yet to happen. But the Chiefs have one of the best safeties in the National Football League, leading that secondary. And he's a big part of what makes this defense find success week over week in the National Football League. Yeah, Tyron is is about as elite of a safety as you can get in this league. And frankly, it, it pisses me off a little bit when people are making all these, you know, yearly top 10 lists of the safeties and everything like that. And he's left off of it somehow. I mean, he's the engine that makes this defense go. And I'm not just talking about the off the field and the leadership aspect, although he is all of that as well. He allows Steve Spagnuolo to do so much on the back end, arguably more than many other safeties or defensive backs in the league are tasked with. And Spagnuolo knows that he can move him around in a number of different ways, and he's going to be extremely effective in every single one of those ways. The, the, what Spagnuolo puts on his plate is nothing short of amazing. He really does do an excellent job of putting Tyron in a good position to succeed and then saying – you fill in the rest, knowing that he can implicitly trust him to be in the right spots, read what everybody else is doing, read what the offense is doing, and make plays on the ball. We've seen it now for two seasons that he's done that at an extremely high level, both from the slot cornerback position and from a safety position. It's just 
it's mind-boggling how good he has been for this defense and how much he means for this defense. And frankly, we were holding off talking about all this, like Kent said, because we were waiting for that payday. It hadn't come yet. So let's get on that, Chiefs. Come on now. He, he's too important to do this. Matty, you say your soliloquy about Tyron Matthew now. Well, first, I want to say, yeah, like, wh where's the payday? Where's the let's, pay? let's get this done now, okay? Like, yeah, let's put some ink down on some paper. But two, I think Craig got to it there at the end. Two years ago, in 2019, Tyron Matthew was arguably the best slot defender in all of the NFL. This past season, it, he was good in the slot, but not as good. But as the year went on, he started playing better and better. And all of a sudden, he became like he was playing as a top five, top three safety, just pure safety in the NFL this past season. The diversity that he has to flip between those two positions, he can slide down in the box. He's one of the better blitzers at the safety position in the entire NFL. Like, there's a whole list of things that Tyron Matthew can do that he can do better than most other safeties in the league. And there's not many guys that can fill all of the shoes that he does. Then you add on to that, you look at this Chiefs defense and the amount of different types of coverages they run, then the different checks they have to all this stuff. That doesn't work without Tyron Matthew. Not only from his ability to go out there and you know get them all on the same page and to call these plays, but who else in the NFL can just play on any given play, could kick out to outside corner if he needed to, could go cover a tight end, but then cover a slot receiver, but also play deep center field and rush. Like there nobody else can do all of these things that he's asked to do week in and week out. And then how often is he just right? It doesn't matter if we're talking about an errant throw. We're talking about jumping a route or just getting the Chiefs and the proper defense. He's right so often. That's where you get the too smart stuff coming out or Dan Sorensen's version. Like That's where this stuff comes from because Tyron Matthew is just that good of a football player. He's so uh, good that Dan Sorensen has become fairly good. That's how good Tyron Matthew is. Yeah, there, it's true, though. He does make people around him better. And sometimes it's because he can do some things and let other players get away with being what they are capable of. Mm -hmm. You know, the Chiefs, whatever the Chiefs are about to pay Tyron Matthew is 100% warranted. And part of the reason, you know, you, we, we talk about how little they're spending at the cornerback position. Well, it's because they have a guy like Tyron Matthew. So they're taking care of a guy, a versatile piece like that allows them to be a lot of a lot more exotic in between the numbers and do a lot of different things. Uh, you know, this is a this is a, a key cog that allows a lot of other things to happen in the back end of that defense because of the versatility of a Tyron Matthew. You can be a little bit more cost effective in other space and other areas of your secondary because of that. He is that important. And if the Chiefs were to lose him for a stretch, things would get a lot more interesting. You'd start. I think, you know, it, it, it things would become a I lot of things about that. I know. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, they, there's it's it's harder to it's harder to mask what you have outside at corner without a guy like Tyron Matthew. It's inarguable. Uh, but we're not talking. How big? Oh no! How big of a mistake would it be if the Chiefs do not extend him or bring him back or resign him after the year? Like, if he goes on to play for another football team next year, how far back does that set the Chiefs? How is Steve Spagnuolo still the defensive coordinator? Everybody else here still stays. You losing Tyron Matthew. How far back does that set the Chiefs? Uh, incredibly far back, massively. Well, I, I think that, I think he's the single most important person on that side of the ball, and they've got some really good players. He's just he means that much to Spagnolo's scheme. I don't think it works without him. You're either paying him or you're paying a corner next year because you've got to add talent to that group. So, like, pay Tyron. Just pay Tyron. Yeah. 
because yeah. you're gonna have to you're gonna have to add a blue chip player to that secondary. You're gonna have to. I mean, they're still probably gonna have to add another player to that secondary anyway next year. But we say this every year. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I, I could see and they're gonna be in their third Super Bowl. So I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever. But no, yeah. I, you, you're gonna have to pay somebody in that secondary. It might as well be Tyron Matthew, a guy that has changed the outlook of this organization on the defense, especially defensive side of the football. He is. You know what? We talked about Frank Clark a lot last week and about how he has a lot of intangible value to this organization that helped them get over the hump and accomplish a lot of big things. Well, the guy right next to him was Tyron freaking Matthew. And that guy has the same kind of intangible qualities. His on-field production has been inarguably better. He's one of the best safeties in the National Football League. He's one of the best defensive players in the National Football League. Take care of them. Well, I think that's your pushback to paying a corner. How many cornerbacks in the NFL do you know that would replace Tyron Matthews' importance to their defense? It's just the position they are on the field. They're shoved off in a corner by themselves. Hence, cornerbacks hey, they're by hey, themselves. Hence corner, eh? And, you know, a one-on-one matchup. You know, yes, zone exists, but essentially, it's a one-on-one matchup away from everybody else. That can't be the same kind of just leader, the game, same kind of person that everyone rallies around, like Tyron Matthews, a safety can be. Like, yeah, if you want to tell me if I had to pay one defensive back in the league, I'm probably picking Jalen Ramsey over anybody else if I had to pay one guy. Sure. But Tyron Matthews coming real close up on that list right behind him. Yeah. I mean, like he's going to be for this defense. I could hear the argument that a safety that is that versatile, that has been that good, that's that smart, is equally as important. And then you add in the Chiefs' need for that culture, that identity that they were missing when they brought him in. Like, if the Chiefs let Tyron Matthew go, I think it might be like the single biggest mistake. And that includes drafting Braylon Speaks in the second round mm-hmm. after trading up for yeah. him that Brett Veach will make as a GM. I, I have I, no I, argument. I, I can't, I can't really disagree with that either again like like you said you'd have to add a blue chip player and if you're adding a blue chip player in the secondary guess how much you're paying him pretty much what you're paying tyron matthew so i i mean it, and it, it's and hard can he lead the same way and can he be the same right. kind of guy that has been a change agent for right. this football team and this team is going to continue to have to overturn the middle of its roster the that middle tier and some of its higher tier guys you want players that you can make the foundation and the cornerstones of your, you know, of both sides of the ball. The Chiefs have that in Patrick Mahomes. They went and got that in Joe Tooney this offseason, paying him a lot of money. Tyron Matthews, the guy on the defensive side of the football, he is that cornerstone. So you let him walk, you got to find another player that's capable of wearing the entire defense on his shoulders the way that Tyron Matthews does week after week. And frankly, those guys get paid by their teams. They don't get free. You don't find those types of guys. So it's it's tough. I, I think you got to pay that guy. Yeah, I would be I'd be pretty stunned if they don't get something done here. And they might get it done by by camp. There's still some time here, obviously. There are plenty of other interesting players in that secondary, in the safety room, along with Tyron Matthew. Obviously, we know the value and impact of him, but there's still some interesting names. I think we got to start with our guy Juan Thornhill. Uh, kind of a interesting last couple of years, looked outstanding his rookie year, had some really rough moments. Uh, it just it it, it was it was tough to watch him a couple, you know, at times coming back from that injury, frankly, Maddie. But there was some bright spots too. It's kind of a mixed bag, and it's really it's gonna be interesting to see what 2021 looks like for him. 
I, th- I gotta say, I do think it's kind of fun that as a podcast, and I think as a fan base, we all do this. We skip right over who the Chiefs have preferred as their kind of safety yep. to as of late in Dan Sorensen. We'll get to there. talk about the fun, exciting young <laughs> we'll guy. And one thought, I'm just saying, as a fan base, we all like to do this. I I do it. I I live this motto as well. But yeah, one Thornhill, you go back to his rookie year, especially leading up to his injury before he got injured. Those last couple games, you look at you know, are the game versus Buffalo in the playoffs. Like you just got to see the highest of highs out of Juan Thornhill, what he can do when his body is working well, when his body feels right, when he's seeing the game at the same pace that he can physically play at, you can see how good Juan Thornhill can be. He's a playmaker. He flies around the field. He has more range than any other defender on this team. We just gushed about Tyron Matthew for what felt like half an hour. Juan Thornhill covers more ground on the football Mm -hmm. field. It's not even close. He's just a better athlete, especially at this age. And he sees the game cleanly enough that he can utilize that physical speed. It's just, he wasn't healthy to start the year. He got back that play. He made the pass breakup in that first drive of that Buffalo bills game where he Mm -hmm. chased dove down on the screen, flipped his hips, ran up, you know, on the wheel route and was able to deflect the ball. That is one of the most impressive plays I've seen out of a safety in a couple seasons. Like, the plays that Juan Thornhill can make are absolutely insane. You just hope that he's got his confidence back after his finish of last season so that you get that rookie version or the upgraded rookie version of Juan Thornhill this season. And he also had that that drive on that dig in the middle of the field that he blew up in that game as well that was just equally as impressive. We were seeing Juan Thornhill start to come back from that injury. Yeah. I fully believe that we really, really were, which makes sense because he got hurt so late in the 2019 season. He was so good in that 2019 season. It was a little bit of a revelation for the Chiefs there. So being able to come back and to start to see that athleticism regained by the end of last year gives you so much hope as Chiefs fans. And that's why we're talking about him second here, Kent. That's why, <laughs> because it's, it is pure athleticism that the expectations the ceiling all of that is there and you started to see it come back so that's why we are rolling out that's why we're so excited about Juan Thornhill what he'll bring because he is the perfect complement to what Tyron Matthew does he really is he is an eraser on the back end he can play some single high he works well in too high as well really cutting things driving he's a very explosive player with terrific ball skills he's exactly what you need to allow tyron matthew to play underneath and be able to cover everything up over the top it, it juan thornhill is about to have a ridiculously breakout year because i feel like the nfl has forgot about him a little bit with that injury i think this year we're going to start talking about him a lot more after he plays just outstanding and to your point, and to both your point, he was bright at the end of the year. And you're Keep right. Going. I regret zero about starting <laughs> with Juan Thornhill over Dan Sorensen. We know what Daniel Sorensen is. We can talk about him for a second. Playmaker. We can talk yeah. about him in a second here if you want. Well, I Dirty. Look, Juan, yeah, Juan Thornhill is the higher ceiling player. He's the better football player. His best is infinitely better than Daniel Sorensen. His highs are better than once than than Daniel Sorensen's and if it can be realized to a similar level of what we saw against Buffalo the sa- the, the the Chiefs safeties are going to be terrifying i mean it's just it's an it's an insane uh, you know playmaking group 
and getting a guy like the the best version of Juan Thornhill would be a big add and something we're not talking a lot about. I mean, you know, we kind of look at this team on paper and, you know, I tend to, I think we kind of try to tend to, you know, side on the side of realism, you know, try to be realistic about all these guys' outlooks when we have these conversations, but the high ends on some of these guys hitting, I mean, things, things can look a lot better. And Juan Thornhill is at the top of that list of those guys that if things kind of come together for him, mercy. Now there isn't, you know, Dan Sorensen, he's a fan favorite cult hero, dirty Dan quality football player. Uh, but I mean, he, he is what he is, Maddie. And that's why we talk about him third. <laughs> So here's the thing with Dan Sorensen. For all the hype that we give to Juan Thornhill, well-deserved, mm-hmm. but for all the hype we have about Juan Thornhill, there are some issues. There's some very inconsistent very. tackling. There's some very inconsistent run fits, especially when he's playing from deep. And there are times highly questionable angles he takes even in coverage. Like there are times where he will take an over-aggressive angle thinking he can undercut a ball. It was a bigger issue when he was coming back from injury than it was when he was healthy. But all these things that I just said, you know what Dan doesn't do? Those things. Dan's a safe player. Dan Sorensen is a guy that he does his job. You draw it up on a chalkboard, guess who's going to be right on that line of that chalkboard? 100, Dan Sorensen. 100 out of 100 times. That <laughs> <laughs> It does lead to him making big plays. In a playoff game or a divisional game, hey, Dan Sorensen's going to come up and he's going to deliver a big hit. He's going to catch an air interception. Like He's going to do something because he is always going to be in the right spot. Pressure gets on. Guys make mistakes. Not Dan Sorensen. He is, as Craig said, 100 out of 100 times, he is going to be in the right spot. There are clear physical limitations. Whether you want to play a deep, play him in the box, in man coverage, there are clear physical limitations where he does get taken advantage of. And that is where the collective Chiefs fan group wants him to be the third safety. You want Juan Thornhill to take over that job. You want Juan Thornhill and Tyron Matthew to force Dan Sorensen onto the bench until they bring out three safeties. The problem is Dan Sorensen's just good enough that you really do have to work. You have to be good to force a safety net of a player to not be on the football field. Yeah. Um, Dan Sorensen, not good in man coverage. Dan Sorensen <laughs> cannot play single high safety. Dan Sorensen is limited in his ability to get vertical and stay on top of routes. And yet, Dan Sorensen is always there when you need him. Like Maddie alluded to, uh, playoff games, divisional games. Like th- this man seems to just step up in the biggest moments. And uh, regardless of what you say about how fluky that is or anything like that, it is. There's a knack for being there, for being positioned, for being leveraged, for being exactly where you need to be. And Steve Spagnolo and Bob Sutton as well. I mean, let, let's give it to Bob Sutton there as well. <laughs> Knew that. Like, if you're scheming up a pressure and you want to force the quarterback to get the ball out, make him a little bit off, you know, force the mistakes, Dan Sorensen's the guy on the back end that you want because he's going to cover up that. He's going to be in the spot. He's going to be where you need him to be and come up with that. We've seen it time and time again. I mean, I think we all remember the Raiders game when we were all on the live stream and going absolutely bonkers when Dan Sorensen had the pick in the second Raiders game to close it out. We just see it all the time. It's what he does. He's going to be consistent. Frankly, by the end of last year, I think we were all kind of condoning that, you know, bring Dan Sorensen back on a one-year deal. Like, why not? Like, he's one of your best five DBs right now. 
and I that still remains after a full offseason. He's one of the best five DBs that they can put out there. I expect that he's still going to play a ton of snaps, and I expect that we're going to be dissatisfied with some of them and really happy with some others. Oh, I'm glad Dan Sorensen's here. Don't get me wrong, especially since you look at the depth of this safety group and there's some question marks. Um, there are a couple players that are interesting. Will Parks, Devin Key, uh, a couple interesting guys. I mean, Armani Watts kind of is what he is. I don't think he's a safety. I think he's a special teamer. I think he's holding on because of Dave Tope. So, Maddie, I'm going to let you talk about any of those guys that you ha- want to have a conversation. Or is there, are you wanting to talk about Rodney Clemens or something? Are you trying to go off of the outside of those three as well? So I like Rodney Clemens. I do enjoy Rodney Clemens. I unfortunately think his wheelhouse also fits in with the same general wheelhouse of Dan Sorensen or Juan Thornhill. I don't think there's a lot of diversity there. So if I'm just looking at the the three guys that we know are going to be around, and you can even throw Armani Watts in there, but I'm not 100% mm-hmm. sure he's on this team. I think we can get back to that later. Mm-hmm. But Devin Key, I think Devin Key provides something that nobody else does. Size, a guy to play in the box. Everybody wants to pigeonhole Dan Sorensen as his box safety. Stop. He is not. He is not a good run defender in the box. You want to have Dan Sorensen come downhill from deep and fill a run lane? Sure. Good. Hold contain from deep. He's got it. You put this man in the box. He is not a good run defender. Get a bigger bodied safety. Devin Key is checking in at like 218 pounds or something like that. Let him slide in there, play on the second level, be this big bodied safety that the Chiefs don't currently have. Yeah. And I, I think that you're also seeing a little bit of Zane Anderson in the mix there, who is another big bodied guy, played a little linebacker at BYU, a guy that could slot into that role as well. But honestly, De- Devin Key's the guy. Like, I think that he is the guy of this group that has the real shot of making the roster, forcing his way onto there. And I don't know. I mean, do you guys think that they're going to keep? Five safeties, or do you think this is a four safety group with six corners? I, I don't because I think it might be four. I don't know if five have earned it or will earn it. I mean, it just like depends on what Will Parks' outlook is. Like, do they do they want to keep a Will Parks around? Um, it's that that's the only scenario where I see him keeping five is if Will Parks, a, a veteran that's actually played in this league shows enough to earn that opportunity. I think Maddie called him this year's Tedrick Thompson, maybe not necessarily, you know, apples to apples as a player, but kind of the situation, the the type of player he is. He's a, you know, fifth-ish, fifth-ish safety, fourth-ish safety, veteran, you know, late addition to the roster, that kind of guy. But it's going to have to be someone like, like Will Parks because I 100%, I, I think Devin Key's making this football team. I really do. Um, there is some... So then who's... If you think Will Parks, who's he's competing with then to make the roster, if you think it's Devin, if Devin Key's making it, like what's your safety role? Armani Watts is See, on. See, I think Armani oh. is on watch. Armani okay, so Watts. We, okay. We're rolling out, like we're finishing up. We're wrapping up our roster preview right now. So here's my question. Which of these three players, if you only got to keep one, if only one of these three players like stays on this roster, who's it going to be? Armani Watts. Dorian O'Daniel, Marcus Kemp. Only one gets to stay on this roster as a special teams only player. Which one is it? Dorian O'Daniel. I think it's Marcus Kemp. Ah, uh, I think so. I mean, he's got he's got the easiest group to win a spot in at wide receiver, and Dave Tobe will not stop talking about Marcus Kemp as a gunner. Yes, I know that Armani Watts and Dorian O'Daniel, like their two highest 
you know, special teams graders. But if you have to factor in position and the guys that they've added at those positions, I think Marcus Kemp's got a got a shot at making this team. But I mean, Marcus Kemp's very clearly your sixth wide receiver, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So like you're definitely putting you're putting in your sixth wide receiver over a guy competing to be your fourth safety. So I mean, I think Armani Watts at least gets to be in the competition as the fourth safety, right? Like, is there anybody that's definitely better? I okay. I think I mean all- it, Devin Key's got to have a good camp, and he could be. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's the wild card there because Devin Key provides something that nobody else can. I would can't on the Will Parks thing, but I also go back to remember Tedrick Thompson. I actually thought played relatively well for the Chiefs, and then they still gave him the boot. Yeah. <laughs> like as soon as Juan Thornhill was healthy enough to actually be on the field, even though he wasn't great. They felt that he was healthy enough. Tedrick Thompson, you know, got released. So if Will Parks is this year's Tedrick Thompson and Juan Thornhill's already feeling good enough to be on the field, he hasn't played heavy special team snaps since like 2018. Like he's got to the veteran point of his career where he might not be asked to play 300 special team snaps or be willing to. So like I could easily see them keeping four safeties and having Watts be out or if it's five Watts being in there. The one guy to wrap it up, Dorian O'Daniel, no. Not making this team. I don't see a spot for him in this linebacker room. I, I wouldn't be stunned if two of the three you just talked about made this roster. Ugh. And Dorian Dan will be the third. I just don't see a spot. I we'll see. I've I been mean, saying that for two years, Maddie. I've been saying that. that for two years. You just <laughs> described. I don't think. I think Armani Watts is finally getting a little heat put on him as a potential roster or bubble player. But Dorian Daniel and Marcus Kemp have nine lives. Like both of them. But look at the linebacker room, though. Where does Dorian O'Daniel slot in? Because he's Anthony Hitchens, Nick Bolton, Willie Gay Jr., Ben Neiman, all safely above him. Darius Harris plays a different position, but like he actually got defensive reps. Yeah. So like your Dorian O'Daniel doesn't have a spot. Whereas I can tell you, I think you can carve out a spot for Kemp or Armani Watts easier on the actual offensive or defensive. But how many linebackers? How many linebackers are they keeping? How many linebackers are they keeping, Maddie? Dorian O'Daniel's reps, only reps essentially for the last two years have been as a quarterback spy. And that's it. That's it. And, and yet, Willie Gay doing that by the end of the year. He played, or he's been on this roster for three straight years. And the Willie only Gay, thing though. he's done on defense has been playing as a spy. Just saying. I'm just, Willie I. Gay. Kent, they've drafted two second-round <laughs> linebackers the past two years. If that's not enough to push a linebacker that can't see the field off the roster, what are we doing? I think? had, just so you know, in my 53-man roster projection, I had two of the three. And the one player I had out was Marcus Kemp because they're mm-hmm. going to just shuttle Marcus Kemp on the on the roster a couple times. He'll be on the 53-man roster by the mid, middle of the year, but he's kind of tried to go see if grass is greener on the other side. Like, they kind of have Marcus Kemp, I think, pretty much locked in. I don't think anybody else is really checking for Marcus Kemp because he's tried to go so, other places. You're saying that we're all right then? Maybe. Well, not <laughs> okay. week one. I think Marcus Kemp's not on the roster. Oh, you didn't say anything about week one. I think I think you just said who's making the roster. I think we're all at some right. point. Marcus at some point Marcus Kemp will make will be on this Chiefs roster, and at some point we're gonna have to end this show. And that point is right now. <laughs> Thank y'all so much for spending a little bit of time with us here on the KC Laboratory. We'll be back next week, and so will training camp. Your Chiefs are back. Mm-hmm. To practice, make sure you sign up for the KCSN kickoff on July 31st in Weston, Missouri at Holiday Distillery. It is going to be a lot of fun. We're all uh, minus Craig going to be there. The KCSN crew. Go see these two. Go see (laughs) both of them. 
but it's gonna be a good time and we're there we can neither can under 50 tickets under 50 there are spots left. they're under 40 no. left i believe mm. now under 40 and left. you might see an ipad with craig's face on it at some point during the night just gonna say that thank y'all so much we'll catch you later